Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Corner 3 Fast Break. It is time to talk the Brooklyn Nets. Tim Dan here, excited for another excellent show with our Hoops hype man himself, Alex Derrickson. Going to talk some Brooklyn basketball. We are going to talk that. Our Hoops historian himself, Sean Mackey. What's going on, guys? This is already off to a fun start. And joining us to drive through the Brooklyn Nets, other than Anthony Puccio. Anthony, thank you so much for taking some time to talk some Nets basketball with us. Glad to be here, guys. So, so. as we get this started, uh, we're going to give you the floor here so you can tell us about uh, who you work for, who you write for, and um, how your Nets fandom began. So go ahead and take that for us. So I cover the Nets on a day-to-day basis for NetsDaily.com, which is under SB Nation. Um, I have season credentials with them, so I go to every game. I have access to practice. I talk to the players, coaches. Very close with the team. Um, <clears throat> Nets fandom started when I was like five years old. My dad bought season tickets right when they got Jason Kidd. And everybody thought they were going to be the worst team in the league, one of the worst teams, and they ended up making the championship. And, you know, here we are, 16 <laughs> years later, 14, whatever, 16, 16 years later, and, uh, you know, not in the best position. No, but, um, you know, like you said, th- th- those years were fantastic. The The early Jason Kidd years were, I mean, you guys had some ridiculously good teams, the Kenyon Martin years and the, you know, Kerry Kittles. Kerry Kittles, man. I mean, Kendall you guys Gill. had some awesome players playing for you back then. It was it was so much fun because it was guys that even before a kid came, you almost had no idea who they were, like Lucius Harris. <laughs> was, I mean, one of the most, uh, not hated, but not the most favorite players amongst Nets fans before Kid came. Then Kid came, and suddenly, here's this guy coming off the bench. He's one of the biggest role players on the team. So, just it was just a, the only way I could describe it was fun. You just never expected any of it to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it, it it's, you know, it's easy to, like, fall in love with a team, especially, like, when you first start you know you start liking them and they're good you know like for me i i fell in love with the bulls in 96 so like that was it i watched every game that was on tv that year and like that was the greatest nba season pretty much of all time so like you know it's easy to do that and then you know years later it it, you you feel like you're you know really reaching for that feeling again you know you really want to you know, you really want that to happen again, and it, for Brooklyn this year, it's uh, it looks like it's going to be a rough one. Yeah, uh, they don't have many stars. They don't have really much for them this year, besides the fact that they're trying to develop and they're hoping that they can find a diamond in the rough this season. But it's you know, it really is another year of being in limbo with the Celtics having their pick and yeah. You know, you just, you just, as a fan for the Nets, you just hope for the best this season. You can't, you can't expect the best, but you know, you can only hope for the best. Yeah, and it's you know, at the beginning of the season, it's easy for you to be kind of. I mean, you're more optimistic right now, probably, than you will probably any time of the season, unless they become really awesome 
you know, later on by some strange grace of God. But um, uh, I'm going to go back to 2015-16 season. Um, last year, uh, you let Deron Williams go after five years. Um, he goes and signs with the Mavs. In February, Joe Johnson leaves, bails for the Heat. And then uh, Billy King ends up leaving in January, and Sean Marks is replaced to he's, – he's hired to replace Billy. Um, what kind of, and of course, Lionel Hollins is, is terminated after that. He starts 10 and 27. Tony Brown takes over temporarily. They end up finishing 21 and 61 for the year. Um, uh, what kind of team do you think, uh, Sean Marks is going to, I mean, he's got his work cut out for him, obviously without, I mean, I don't think you guys have draft picks until, uh, 2019. Is that correct? Right. That's our, yeah. our own draft pick, anyway. Yeah. Um, what do you see him doing this season to kind of improve? I mean, you 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 signed some some really interesting players this year with you know Jeremy Lin and uh, you know you got Grievous Vasquez. Uh, you took a shot on Anthony Bennett. Um, uh, who do you who do you see kind of you know if you had to pick somebody for this year, who do you see kind of coming out? You know, maybe really help this team along for the year yeah so you know you talk about Sean Mart's approach and um, he he tried with Alan Crabb he tried with Tyler Johnson both teams matched you understood the strategy yeah. there he tried to get young talent that he could develop over the years hey look it didn't work but for this season you know you look at a guy like Anthony Bennett <laughs> does the does the light bulb go on I don't know, but can it? Yeah, it's a one-year deal. They have nothing to lose. He's, he's not getting paid much. But other than that, the pickup that intrigues me the most is their draft pick, Karis LeVert, who they traded Thaddeus Young for. He's a six-seven combo guard who can shoot. He could, he could fish. He could pretty much do it all. He just, he just needs to stay healthy. He's had two surgeries, and that's it. If he stays healthy, he could be really intrigued, intriguing this season. Yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about Brooke Lopez as well. I mean, he's been your uh, your, your leading scorer for the past four years. Um, what can we expect from from Brooke this year? And do you think he's content playing on this team for a few more seasons, or do you think he is he the kind of person who might eventually demand a trade? I think Brooke is Brooke is Brooke. He's going to put up you know twenty two, twenty three a game, maybe seven, eight rebounds. And in terms of demanding a trade, I, I can't see it. I think he's happy with the situation he's in. He's been through hell and back with the Nets organization. He's been with them. This will be his eighth season, I believe. And, look, he's a very easygoing guy. He loved New Jersey. The New York City spotlight, I'm not so sure about. But, you know, he's he's supposedly very happy in the situation he's in right now. He's finally... Has a he finally has a some sort of a friendship a, a a leadership role with the rest of the guys, whereas in the past supposedly he's kind of been detached from a team like Deron Williams and Joe Johnson and those type of guys. So I think I think Brooke is pretty happy with the situation that he's in right now. I don't think he'll be demanding a trade. So, so I, go ahead, John. go ahead, go, no, go ahead. Well, to piggyback off that, you know. Um, 
What do you think it would take for potentially for Brooklyn to look at moving Lopez? I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, there's no draft picks for a few years, and I completely understand why they wouldn't want to be in that circumstance. But what would it take for them to really for their ears to, ears to pop up for them to be interested in potentially moving him? I think I mean you look at what the circumstances are already. They're they're not supposed to be a good team, and if they're really struggling come the trade deadline, you know teams might be calling. He might be that final piece that they need. So. Look, someone calls Sean Marks. They have an offer, a draft pick, perhaps. I think that could do it. That could move. That could be the deal that moves Brook. But honestly, I just don't see it happening because without Brook, they have absolutely nobody to score the basketball, good or bad. So one uh, interesting name we saw, and since we're, we're the three of us are from the Cincinnati area, uh, people here would be really upset if we didn't ask you about Sean Kilpatrick. <laughs> um, obviously undrafted. He has had his share of 10-day contracts, but really ended up sticking on for Brooklyn the rest of the year last year. Um, if you follow his social media and his Twitter accounts, he seems to love Brooklyn. seems to love being a part of the franchise and playing there. He's talking about training with Jeremy Lin. Um, as far as you know, his contribution to this team, uh, how do what do you how do you feel Sean fits into this team as far as like this uh, you know an up and coming team trying to get it all together uh, still you know rebuilding and trying to find their, their find their identity. I think I think Kilpatrick is the epitome of what Sean Marks is trying to do. You know he's he's trying to find that diamond in the rough, trying to find guys from the D League or overseas or whatever it may be other than the draft to find that talent and Kilpatrick could score, man. He could score the rock. He came off the bench last year and. He, he put in points at such an efficient rate. I think he really is the epitome of what this team and what Sean Marsh wants to do. He's a young guy. He's still, what, 26 years old. And like I said, he could come in the game and light it up. I think he's going to get some quality minutes this season. Are you going to buy his and one sneakers that he just announced? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Of course. <laughs> so, um... I know Alex has a couple for you, but before I get to see it, I just want to ask real quick. Uh, the team announced today, uh, kind of as an homage to the throwback days of Dr. J, the Brooklyn remix jerseys look very similar to the old New Jersey Nets jerseys with the different color scheme. Um, how do you, I mean, do you really, I think it's really cool. I always appreciate when teams throw back to their history there. So when you saw the uniforms, what was your reaction? What were your thoughts on them? I loved it, personally. I Because, look, the Nets, when they moved to Brooklyn, they always had Brooklyn on the front of their jerseys, but you can't just forget about the team name and the team's past. You know, they are who they are. They do have a history, believe it or not. And I don't know. I like I like the fact that there was Nets on the front of the jersey. I like the fact that they were sleeveless, finally. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I like that they're paying homage to their past. They can't just forget it just because they moved to Brooklyn. It's not, it's not like things are just forgotten about and, it's not like their their history is really to be ashamed of, you know. So I was I was no. happy with everything. And, and you mentioned the history, and I kind of want to build off that. So, and more like looking down the scope of everything, the last you know six or so years, we'll we'll go through the 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 Mikel Prokhorov era here. Uh, gets the team in 2010, minority or owner in Jay Z to try to lure uh, the high end free agents that were going in in that class and everything. They have the meeting with LeBron. They emerge as, quote, frontrunner tremendous. And in the free agency season with the outlaw of amnesty, Travis Outlaw, uh, you get into 2013. They're a playoff team. They're still, you know, hanging in there with everybody in the East and everything. To where they are just three years later, heading into the 16-17 season, is there, like, 
a, a deal or a trade or a signing, a hiring, a firing, something that you can pinpoint that that is the seismic shift in the Brooklyn Nets that make them kind of this veritable who's who of, like you said, potential diamond in the roughs. Like, what happened in a six-year to a three-year span that just tanked this like roster to what it is now? I think it was just a, a perfect storm of so many things, you know. You give the keys to the franchise to a guy like Darren Williams and, you know, you know the story with him. It just didn't work out between injuries and off-the-court issues. And then you force a trade, you give up three draft picks, unprotected nonetheless, to Boston. And you get two declining players like Pierce and KG. And, you know, KG lasts two years, one and a half to be exact. Pierce lasts one season. Neither of them really played to the top potential i mean there's so many moves that just put them in the spot that they are today you look at even dating back to the jersey days when they traded for gerald wallace they're only four games out of the playoffs so they said billy king said i'm gonna get an impact player that's gonna change darren williams mind they brought over gerald wallace they traded their first round pick unprotected they went on a six game losing streak right after that and the Trailblazers ended up with Damian Lillard. So you look at moves like that and you just, you know, the list goes on. It really it really does go on for days. And they're in the position because of just impulsive decisions. And it, it seems like it's just a history uh, of really, with the unprotected picks and everything, a very, like, high-risk, low-reward scenario for what they're getting. Because I, I don't think a first pick unprotected really warrants an aging KG, a Paul Pierce, or you know, like even a Gerald Wallace. I mean, what what do you think goes through the minds when deals like that happen? Like, is it just over-eager? I would say so. I mean, I think just Prokhorov and the rest of the Russian owners just wanted to win and win now. They came in wanting to make a statement. They were right down the block from Madison Square Garden. You know, Prokhorov put up that Blueprint for Greatness advertisement, big bill, uh, platform across the street from msg as a dig it was really the way i put it uh, a force to greatness a rush to greatness when they really didn't have to they had the pieces they had a guy like lopez they had a guy like darren williams you know if you slowly develop guys you keep the d-league team which they ended up selling two years at the brooklyn you're not put in the situation that you are today you know it was just more a force to greatness to try and build a fan base so fast, but it clearly backfired on them. Sure. And so with that being said, if you could kind of just advantageously pick a player off of a roster on an NBA team or out of free agency that necessarily isn't really like identifies as a superstar, who do you put on the nets to try and like maybe bring them up like just another step to get them that closer? Like if you want to try and build this franchise, who is someone that you would throw on the roster to assist building around? And he's not allowed to be a superstar. Correct. Uh, whew. That's a tough one. Uh, I'll take anybody that has skill. <laughs> <laughs> you, so, look, you look at a roster like this, I'll take anybody that could put the ball in the hoop or play so, deep, anything. A few weeks ago, we were we were going through the Eastern Conference, and, and while we got you here, I, I do want to ask you this: We were spitballing a trade. Would you accept a deal in Brooklyn that would send Brook Lopez to the Wizards for Bradley Beal? 
Yeah, I would. I would. I think. <laughs> I think just the idea of a fresh start for both sides for Lopez and the Nets. The Nets could work, like I said, use any talent they could possibly get. Beal is still young. He still could hit his prime. I mean, yeah, why not? That's a <laughs> good seem motto. Like, kind of seems like <laughs> that's, that's kind of that's where we are today. Why the freak not? You know, for <laughs> a billboard in Brooklyn for the Nets logo and just why not underneath? Exactly. <laughs> See the why Red, the-, the Red Sox used that one World Series, so why can't the Nets? <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, that Red Sox team, at least, you know, we're talking about a different... Right. <laughs> That's a whole other you never monster. Know. You never know. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. Um, Anthony, I was just going to ask you, you, you guys signed uh, Jeremy Lin this year. Uh, he's coming off of a, a pretty decent season uh, from Charlotte. He helped them quite a bit last year, and I, I guess he signed a three-year deal this year. Um, he's coming back to New York. Not the same team. Um, do you uh, do you see him maybe showing some? We, we haven't seen like that magic that he had during those six weeks in New York, um, you know, four years ago or whenever that was. Do you see any signs of that happening again with this guy, or, or do we just we just write him off as he hit his wall and that's it? No, I think I think you'll see spurts of greatness or insanity, if you want to call it, from Jeremy Lin. But you know, consistently, I can't be too sure about that. You know, we haven't seen it consistently over the years. But he is going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to have the trust from Kenny Atkinson, who was the assistant coach of the Knicks when the whole insanity thing happened, and he did attribute his success to Kenny Atkinson. So, like I said. The trust is there with him and the coach. He's going to have the ball in his hands. And, you know, like I just said, why not? Why can't it be Jeremy Lin that has a big (laughs) night? You know, he's going to be taking a lot more shots than he usually would with any other team. He's starting again. So, you know, I think he's going to have a good year. But I also don't want to overvalue him or put too high of expectations on him if he can't fulfill them. I mean, I, and, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to ask a completely different question, so you go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so if we put you, if we plug you into the Nets organization here and you get to kind of, like, look at the scope of the season and we kind of have a good idea of where the season is headed, headed for Brooklyn – but the problem is, as you talked about before, there's a lot of unprotected first-round picks that have been dealt, so you guys don't have your own draft picks until, I think, Sean said 2019. So do you focus this season? I know there's a bit of a, like you said, why not, and a wait-and-see approach to see where the team is and everything, but the team gets off to the start that it kind of looks like it's going to and stumbles out of the gate. Do you focus more on trying to dump some players to get some draft picks back so you can rebuild, or do you just kind of work with what you have and just hope that eventually you can kind of build and dig yourself out of a hole. So are you looking at like a quick fix or would you look at maybe a slow approach getting out of this? You, uh, with the way the Nets have been since moving to Brooklyn, you have to go with the slow approach because the quick fix clearly isn't the op- isn't the answer. Uh, you know, if the losses keep piling up and the phones keep ringing, I think, you, like you said before, you do answer the phone for a guy like Brooke Lopez. Uh, someone to look out for is Boyan Bogdanovich. He's from the Turkish League. He's from 
the Croatian national team. He was the leading scorer in the Olympics this season, and he's in his contract year. So if Boyan steps up, averages 15, 16 points per game, he's somebody that you might, you know, consider trading him for a draft pick. Or, you know, I think that if the losses do pile up, you definitely look to see if you could get either young talent that you could develop or draft picks, like you said. And I know we talked briefly about 2010 free agency. I'm really curious, going in to that free agent class with, with all of the work that had been done and getting the team to Brooklyn and, and building that that kind of very tip-of-the-iceberg image that the team wanted to present, what was it like going into that? And what was it like, especially as a fan and everything, coming out of that and seeing what you ended up with and, and everything? I mean, comparing to recent years in Jersey, the last few years in Jersey were just a nightmare. I mean, you moved from the Izod Center to the Prudential Center. You were playing in the middle of Newark. You weren't selling out any games. The team was bad. So anything was good. Any progress was was great. So seeing guys like Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, and all those, you know, even Gerald Wallace and Chris Humphreys, you know, you were happy about that. The fact that they even had a team that was likely to make the playoffs, you you know, you're happy about it. But now you look back on it, and it's like, geez, you know, that Joe Johnson contract was crazy. You know, for right. what he did, he he hit some he hit some great shots. We had some good moments with him, but it was not worth the money. And they only did that because they wanted to make Darren Williams happy. He was in the middle of meetings between Dallas and Brooklyn during the free agency. So when they signed Joe Johnson, that was kind of their way to lure Darren back to Brooklyn, convince him to stay. And, you know, like I said, you had to be happy with it at the time, but now you look back at it and it's like, jeez. So let's piggyback a little bit off that. Um, You know, we talked about that time frame. You talk about the move from Jersey to Brooklyn. Um, As a fan, What's that like, you know, like when you're like, when you hear like, we bring these new owners in, we're going to have this whole new identity, we're moving, we're moving from this place to this place. Like, New Jersey to Brooklyn isn't exactly Seattle to Oklahoma City, obviously, but, you know, it's still, I mean, it's still like a whole new thing. You're getting this brand new beautiful arena. As you're hearing this as a fan, and now you are in the media member of the, new, the Brooklyn Nets, what was that process like for you? I mean, you know... The Jersey days, as a kid, it, it brings back good memories for me, but it was like it was time for a change. Uh, you know, the team was not selling out. Even in the championship, they weren't selling out. That People weren't going to the games. Nobody seemed to care about the New Jersey Nets. So, like I said, any change seemed to be progress. And when they moved to Brooklyn, it was like, okay, so... We're not the New Jersey Nets anymore. We're no longer second fiddle to the Knicks, we hope. If we have a good team, we can be New York's team, if if good enough. For me, I'm from Long Island. It didn't make a difference whether they moved from Jersey to Brooklyn in terms of driving-wise. It's actually closer, so, you know, I was happy about it just for the sole fact that I could go to games quicker, but... You know, you, how could you not be excited about a new arena, new colors? I just wanted them to keep the team name because that's who they are. That's their identity. They'll always be the Nets. You can't run from it, even though, you know, they almost changed the team into Swamp Dragons. You know, the, <laughs> the Nets are the Nets, and that's, you know, you just you got to deal with it. That's, that's who they are. Would you say this roster is more in line with Swamp Dragons, <laughs> or would you still say they fall in line with the Nets? <laughs> 
they might be swamp dragons, but <laughs> you know, we'll uh, we'll have to see. I mean, give them a few weeks, give them a month or two, and then we'll uh, I'll get back to you on that answer. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony, we talk about like uh, you know best players of the past. Uh, one that was high in the spotlight this year was actually Richard Jefferson. Uh, came in with New Jersey, had some really good zero zero free kind of tried around the NBA a little bit. Wins a title in Cleveland this year. Fills in for Kevin Love uh, when they win their title. So when you look at your time with Richard Jefferson, is it kind of like that? I'm really happy for him because what he did in New Jersey, or is it? Damn, I really wish he would have done that here. No, you you have to respect Richard Jefferson because he was always a solid citizen in New Jersey and everywhere he played. Always gave it his all. Never never really had an issue with any other players or off the court problems. You know, RJ RJ is a guy you root for no matter where he goes. And I think Nets fans all over are happy for him right now and his journey. And for the outside looking in, just because, like I said, we're not people that follow the Nets all the time. You're a guy that does this on a day-to-day basis. What do Nets fans look back at the tenure of Vince Carter like? They think the Nets should retire VC's number 15. That's how serious Nets fans take his time with the Nets. I mean, even personally, I Vince Carter was probably the most important player for my fanhood. He was so much fun to watch. We made the playoffs almost every year with him on the roster. It's just, I think I think it's only right that they, they retire his number or do something for him anyway, you know, some type of tribute for him. I agree because, I mean, to me, those Toronto days, we just remember he threw down this dunk, he threw down that dunk. It seemed like when he went to New Jersey, it was kind of like when it was like he could shoot, he can play defense, he can do these things. It really kind of got to show a little more he was an all-around basketball player. Right, right. I remember one game, it was one of his first years with the Nets. He he went up for a dunk, and he came down hard, and he fell on his back. And I, after that, just keeping in mind, he wouldn't go to the hole as hard, and he started, like you said, doing things a little bit differently, taking more threes, playing more defense, being more an all-around player, and just leader in general. He was so much fun to watch. He really did it all. So, before we cut you loose and everything, bold prediction for the Nets season, and I heard you mention you're from Long Island, so if you want to throw in a bold prediction for the New York Islanders season two, go right oh, ahead. Oh. <laughs> Look, hey, you, got, be- you guys got a playoff series victory. I'm not an Islanders fan. I'm still uh, a Rangers fan. Bummer. Okay. I grew up in Queens. <laughs> that's a fair guess. Hey, it was a fair guess. <laughs> I grew up in Queens, moved to Long Island. But, you know, I still I have very close connections to the Islanders because the Coliseum is 10 minutes away from my house. I went to community college right next door to the Coliseum for two years. Um, the Islanders are going to be good again this year. They have a lot of talent, obviously. The Nets, I'd say, you know, I'd be glad if they can get more than 26, 27 wins around that area. Like I said, that would exceed expectations if they got more than 25. Everybody's saying they're going to be the worst team in the NBA. But is there some potential on the roster? Yeah, there's some guys, like I said, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jeremy Lin, Brooke Lopez. There are guys that can step up the season, that can make them respectable. The energy is good there. The vibe is good there. Everybody loves the new practice facility and the new arena and the new colors and everything. So, you know, we'll see if all that can translate onto the court. But like I said, I, you can't you can't expect much more than 25 wins this season. 
So, just curious before we get shot here, to piggyback kind of off Sean, uh, Alex's Islanders question there, would you say right now the area of New York is more excited about the Yankees post-trade deadline or the or the Mets potentially making the playoffs? I think I would say uh, it's tough because it's like the Yankees came out of nowhere. I, I, it was the quietest fans have been in years, and I was so happy because as a Mets fan, I was like, finally, you know, this is our <laughs> chance. Like last season too, you know, finally – it's it's quiet. It's a it's a Mets town. We're blue and orange, but you know what the Yankees are doing are, is just incredible with Gary Sanchez and the whole team. I think it's split, but I still think the hype is in the air for the Mets. So Anthony, um, as we close out here again, thank you so much for taking some time to let us in on the New York Nets and your thoughts there. I'm going to give you the floor here so you can shout out your website. You can shout out your Twitter account, just where people can follow you and be in contact with you in regards to Nets basketball this season. Yeah, guys, uh, we're on NetsDaily.com. Like I said, it's run by SB Nation. Uh, on Twitter, our handle is NetsDaily, simply put. Uh, my Twitter handle is Apooch, A-P-O-O-C-H. And uh, I hope you guys can follow along for a fun Brooklyn Nets season. Absolutely. Thank you. That. Yeah, thank you. So thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. And we'll have to do this soon, see how things are going down the, down the stretch. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Anthony. Thank Thanks, you. Anthony. See you. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.